0: Welcome to CPAC's Today in Politics. It's Thursday, April 20th. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Here are the big political stories we're talking about today. The Prime Minister isn't ruling out back-to-work legislation for striking civil servants. Will the Prime Minister commit to not bringing in back-to-work legislation and instead commit to negotiating a fair deal for these workers? The opposition calls on the Prime Minister to pay for the hotel bill for his vacation at a friend's Luxury Resort in Jamaica last Christmas. Now
1: he has a big IOU to those Trudeau Foundation donors who will obviously be expecting something in return for it. Everyday Canadians pay for their own accommodations when they go on vacation. Will he agree to pay back
0: that $80,000 gift? And Dominique LeBlanc's sister-in-law steps down as the Interim Ethics Commissioner. Joining us is Catherine LeBeck, Parliamentary Reporter for the National Post. Good morning, Catherine. Great to be here. So let's get into this strike because it's only day two, Catherine. But, you know, let's face it, it can only end with a negotiated settlement. And I believe they are still at the table this uh, early hour in the morning on Wednesday. Uh, But, you know, the other option uh, eventually at some point is back to work legislation. Um, What's your sense of where the government's head is at on this topic?
1: Oh, I think the government is very much squeezed on this topic, right? Because of course they, you know, the ideal option is to get to a settled negotiation, to an agreement with the unions. Uh, but at the same time, look, if this strike goes on and on for several weeks, you know, they will be in a position where Canadians will be frustrated. They won't be able to file their taxes. Uh, you know, some people will be uh, again trying to get a passport and it might take weeks or months. And so I, I think they will be in a position where they they'll be wanting to pass back to work legislation to force these workers to go back to work. Uh, now, I I think there's also another option that hasn't been considered yet, and that's the strike fund. Uh, now, the strike fund isn't that large, and I, I think that's also an important aspect to consider because as of 2021, um, the union had about 43 million dollars. Um, that's you know that seems like a big amount, but you know if you divide it in a hun- approximately 155,000 workers. Um, you know, earning $75 a day for their strike fund uh, for, well, you get about four or five days, right, of, you know, paid strike. So I think that's also another element to consider, you know, if the union simply does not have any money anymore to pay their strikers, that might also put some pressure on the union to try to settle a deal um, very shortly.
0: Hmm. Well, you know, it was interesting because yesterday the prime minister was asked repeatedly by the NDP, and just by reporters, you know, what's your view on back-to-work legislation? And I, I heard him, uh, his comments, uh, you know, in the scrums and in the House, and it was only in French when he said, that Canadiens ne seront pas énormément patients si ça continue, right? So he hinted that Canadians wouldn't be patient if it continues. And that that's the only thing I heard him say that you know, and I probably won't be patient either, right? Like, like we're not gonna let this go on forever. But does he who are his dance partners to bring in back to work legislation? Should it go there? I mean, he only has one dance partner, it's the
1: conservatives, you know. <laughs> of all the dance partners out there, only the conservatives would be ready to uh pass this legislation. And it was the same thing, you know, when with the Port of Montreal conflict, uh, when Aaron O'Toole was leader, the conservatives, you know. Reluctantly, and you know, decided to support this back to work legislation. They had all th- all kinds of things to say about the government at the time. But one thing is sure: is that the NDP does not intend on supporting this. Um, the, you know, they are pro-workers, they're pro-union. Uh, they do not, like Jack. Singh was very, very clear, he will not be supporting such legislation. Same thing for the Bloc. Uh, you know, the Bloc Québécois is is also very much pro-worker. Um, they're very uncomfortable with supporting back-to-work legislation. And they were very clear yesterday, I was uh, hearing uh, MP Alain Terrain saying, look, the Bloc has never supported back-to-work legislation we won't start now. So uh, it's I I think it's kind of interesting, you know, at a time where liberals and conservatives are really fighting a lot right now, you know, they might actually find some common ground on this specific apps aspect. If of course, you know, Canadians are fed up Canadians need services, you know, I think they might find an agreement to uh, pass this legislation, should it happen should be tabled with the Tories.
0: Well, it's interesting, though, Catherine, because yesterday when the conservatives were asked about it, what do you think of back to work legislation? Not my problem. This is all brought on by liberal incompetence. You know, they've thrown a whole bunch of more public servants into the system. They've had all these consultants and they can't get their act together to the point where now they're you know, we have a strike. So they weren't saying anything promising on that topic. But we do know that the prime minister, as the days go on, will feel a lot of pressure by people who can't get a passport, by business. Like yesterday, the Canadian Federation of Independent Business put out uh, a release and and, said, uh, you know, make sure all the departments uh, help small business and prepare back to work legislation should strike action last more than a few days. And so that I'd be interested to know, have they got that? Ready, that back to work legislation?
1: Oh, I'm sure, you know, the government is working on that, right? You know, they have to be prepared in case they need that back to work legislation because look, you're right, That this could go on for a couple of days, uh, the pressure will be increasing significantly on the government to do something right to make sure that these workers go mm. back to work in any way possible. And, uh, you know, as of right now, look, we're only on day two <laughs> right now. But yeah, you know, negotiations are still ongoing. And both sides seem pretty clear on, you know, not budging, basically, in terms of wages, uh, in terms of, you know, the work of, of work from home aspect it's also a little less unclear. I would say that both sides are a little tight-lipped on what exactly is going on at the moment, uh, but certainly the, the government, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're they have to be prepared in any way. You know, remember during the uh, the convoy protests, you know, they were even considering the invoking the Emergencies Act you know, way before it actually right. happened. Well, I'm right. sure this is the same thing, uh, as of right now. Um, but you know, again, they, I'm, I'm sure they don't want to go there, but yeah. they might have to.
0: Right. And, and I could be wrong on this, but I think back in 91, when we had a last major P- public service walkout like this, I believe the back to work legislation under Brian Mulroney came quickly, but he also had a majority government and he didn't yes. have to negotiate with with anybody. And can you imagine Pierre Poilievre and Justin Trudeau sitting down or their their people to, you know, after what we saw in the House of Commons yesterday? So let's get on to that. Um, <laughs> I was watching it. I wasn't in the house. I read your article uh, and you described it as very rowdy in there. Yes. So what was that? Tell us about the latest on the Jamaica trip and where that's going. Okay, so it, it was actually interesting because we did get a few,
1: you know elements of answers uh, as to what Justin Trudeau knew, what he didn't know about uh, the the green family and you know the you know, who owns the estate he uh, resided at in, in Jamaica. So um, you know, interestingly enough, I mean he did say, that for instance he was not aware that the green family which he describes as longtime friends uh, that he's known for decades so they, he wasn't aware that they had don- donated to uh, the trudeau foundation for instance um you know it's 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 a donation but it's in effectively a scholarship um, that they're financing that happened in 2021 so mr trudeau said look i i had no idea i really wasn't aware of this you know other the, the foundation is taking care of this basically um, the prime minister also revealed that, in fact, I mean, he's been to that estate many, many times. In fact, dozens and dozens of times, ever since he was a baby. Um, so he mostly went there when he was uh, when, when his father was still alive, when Pierre Elliott Trudeau was still alive, because you know he was originally, you know, he was friends with with Peter Green um, and. You know they went to the the estate pretty regularly, it seems. So, um, you know, I I think that kind of set the, the the tone as to you know the prime minister not being ready to reimburse uh, the the cost of this because he said, look, I mean, I've been there so many times, and he he wouldn't say if he would re- reimburse the cost of the accommodations, which was I think the crux of, the crux of the issue yesterday. Um, and, and yesterday we saw a conservative leader Pierre Polyev, so of course, press the prime minister on this particular aspect saying look all Canadians um pay for their vacation why can't you you know (laughs) he kind of described his own situation saying look I also got a Sunwing vacation you know just last Christmas but I paid for my own flight you know so I sat in the airport
0: for five hours because exactly
1: and anyone who traveled knows the story right Exactly. But, you know, it also it also came to a point where uh, the conservatives were effectively very, very rowdy. They were shouting, they were, you know, trying to uh, interrupt the prime minister and his answers. And at some point we heard, um, I, I wasn't sure who had said it at first, but I, you know, I heard the, the, the term freeloader, you know, paid back freeloader very, very clearly. And, you know, at the end of uh, question period you know some people sometimes get up on points of order and this time it was minister patty haidu come you know going up and saying look i heard the leader of the opposition say a derogatory term uh you know he should apologize and so that's kind of what happened yesterday so we're re- we're really getting into personal insults at uh, at this moment and uh you know that this is really just a very very bad tone going on and you know it, it also proves that the conservative leader is is actually resorting to personal attacks uh when it comes to uh, you know talking about the prime minister but is freeloader a bad word um I, I mean you know look he Pierre polyev yeah, actually read the the definition in the dictionary um doesn't but the seem speaker like a told bad him to word. sit
0: down he wouldn't let him read the whole thing right
1: exactly <laughs> <laughs> and we know where he was going <laughs> Just- oh exactly you know he um he you know he, he was going to read the whole definition you know kind of prove that it's it's not actually an insult that he was right. accurate yeah uh, but but still i i think look um this is still an attempt to uh paint the prime minister as someone who's out of touch uh, someone right. who you know doesn't understand the struggles of everyday canadians that seems very very clear um mm-hmm. but you know mm-hmm. certainly something that is lacking is um you know, there, there's a lack of respect right now going on in the House of Commons. And certainly, I, I would say the debate is not very, uh, very elevated, right? now when No, I, and I, I remember when Elizabeth
0: terms. May, and you probably remember when Elizabeth May a couple of years ago stood up and said she had heard the word F-A-R-T, like she didn't want to spell it out or anything. But it's interesting uh, for people out there, what is a bad word? But all I know is when I heard them yelling freeloader, um, you know, to me, it sounded, wow, this is pretty lowbrow, right? When you're, however, you know, Poiliev's point is you spent, you stayed in a place for nine days that for anyone else would have cost $81,000. And the, the rest of Canadians, if they're lucky, they had a drink at, at New Year's and and that's where you stayed. But so that he's trying to make the contrast, right? And I guess the question is, I don't know where they go from here, but it, it, uh, he's painting him as, as a freeloader, which is, which is pretty, pretty derogatory for sure. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. And so look,
1: this, you know, we we have seen our share of very rowdy uh, question periods, especially since Pierre Polyev has been leader. Uh, But certainly I think, you know, yesterday, what, what we saw was in, in the top three for sure.
0: Okay. So let's wrap up because there was another interesting development yesterday, Um, You know, the ethics commissioner has been big on this story. Uh, The prime minister often says, I went on this trip. It was approved by the ethics commissioner. Uh, I'm assuming it was Mario Dion who stepped down a few months ago and was replaced by by Dominique Leblanc's sister-in-law. So yesterday we found out that Dominique Leblanc's sister-in-law, Martine Richard, uh, stepped down as the interim ethics commissioner. What's going on there?
1: Well, look, after only three weeks on the job, you know, she was supposed to replace for six months. But uh, I think that the pressure was uh, was high enough that, you know, she decided simply to step down, you know, to uh, not embarrass the the government. Um, look, uh, Marcin Richard is not completely leaving. She's going back to her former position, which was senior general counsel. So she's still going to be in the ethics commissioner's office. Uh, but look, the, the scrutiny was very intense because of her family links, of course, with Minister Dominic LeBlanc. Um, there was even a House of Commons committee that voted to launch a study into her interim appointment. So, you know, this was certainly not something I think she was looking forward to. And so she took the decision to uh, to step down. I mean, a, Honestly, we we did not get a lot of, you know, she she wouldn't res- respond to interview requests. You know, yeah. we we only got that mm-hmm. little paragraph telling us that she had essentially stepped down. Um, but you know, one can imagine that she wanted to prevent that investigation from going through. You know, she didn't want to embarrass the government. Probably, she also did maybe didn't want to put herself out there and uh, embarrass the uh, the office. Uh, from from the ethics commissioner basically so the, but the problem now julie is that you know we find ourselves without an interim or you know a basically a, an ethics commissioner and the problem is that you know there's a number of decisions that the office cannot go forward with such as launching an investigation you know <laughs> this is happening at a time where we're talking about the uh the prime minister's Jama- trip in jamaica um so you know without and, you know, an ethics commissioner in place, there are a number of things that, you know, they they cannot proceed with, you know, one can also wonder if, uh, let's say, you know, the Prime Minister was to take another personal vacation or, or anyone else, you know, would they be able to consult the, uh, the the Office of the Ethics Commissioner? That's also another question that we have. So, um Really, you know, look, Matin Richard decided to make that decision. You yeah. know, given the circumstances, given you know all the the scrutiny around her family ties to Mister LeBlanc, I think mm-hmm. that was probably the right thing mm-hmm. to do. Um, but uh, yeah, I think you know she she shouldn't have been appointed in the first
0: place. I was to just going to say, honest. I was just going to say she's Dominique LeBlanc's sister-in-law. He has been found violating the ethics over a fishing license uh, yes. or something a while back. So now they were pl- They had planned to put her in there. She's a sister-in-law. Did they not think anyone was going to say, hello, isn't this a bit too cozy a relationship? Like maybe she's super talented and has lots of years of experience, which apparently she does. But she's your sister-in-law of, of one of the top cabinet ministers. So do you think when they make the next appointment, they'll try to find somebody who's not a friend or related?
1: I would hope so. <laughs> You know, I mean, look, this government does seem to have a problem with, you know, because they'll say, well, look, everything was in the rules, you know, she's, um Martin Richard, from my understanding, was actually replacing marie Dion because he had some health problems. Right. So, she, you know, right. she has she had been acting uh, in, in the past as the uh, um, effectively the the ethics commissioner from right. time to time. Right. Uh, but look, I mean, of course, they have to find someone who doesn't have any any t- any family ties, you know, any professional
0: ties. Who's not with the Trudeau Foundation. With the Trudeau
1: government. Yeah, Absolutely. or who wasn't yes. with
0: the Trudeau Foundation. <laughs> 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 That's also very good. Maybe this point. is going to take a long time to replace place this person but who knows who knows okay well listen so much um, so much to discuss but um uh, we have to and i see out my window it's a beautiful day so that's good <laughs> good for the
1: strikers <laughs> yeah.
0: okay take care we'll talk to you soon thank you bye katherine Levesque, parliamentary reporter with the national post
1: nobody is raising qualms with the prime minister having a vacation i know it's good. his favorite thing to do
0: Now, let's take a look at what political columnists, commentators, and editorialists are saying today. In the Globe and Mail, Lawrence Martin asks if Pierre Poilievre will move his message beyond anger. He writes, opposition leaders, of course, are supposed to oppose. But has there ever been a conservative opposition leader so rabid, so given over to the politics of destruction? Brian Mulrooney, Bob Stanfield, Joe Clark weren't like that. Stephen Harper was bitter, but he didn't engage in character assaults. Parliev and his party have the advantage of facing a Trudeau government that is getting long in the tooth. The time for a change argument could weigh heavily in his favour. But if the Conservative leader is to take advantage, he must get off the anger track and show some statesmanlike qualities. In the Toronto Star, Vinay Manon argues the CBC and other news outlets should quit Twitter altogether. He writes, in response to being labeled government-funded media on Twitter, CBC is hitting pause on its account, but it should not hit pause on Twitter. It should quit for good. Elon Musk isn't just running his social media company into the ground. He is leading a doomsday cult hostile to all institutions. When the Taliban can buy verified accounts on Twitter and NPR or the CBC are undermined for the spectator sport, Musk's priorities are beyond screwed up. Every media outlet should quit Twitter. Only then will Elon Musk realize the perils of what he's doing. Now here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will speak virtually at the fourth leaders level meeting of the Major Economies Forum on Energy and Climate. He will also speak with the President of Brazil. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will meet with workers and speak with the media at an energy facility in Pickering, Ontario. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will meet with the Canadian Association of Retired Persons in Ottawa. Green Party leader Elizabeth May will attend the Hope in High Heels on the Hill event on the front lawn of Centre Block in Ottawa. And the Senate Committee on Banking, Commerce and the Economy will hear from Bank of Canada Governor Tiff Macklem. That's CPAC Today in Politics for Thursday, April 20th. Tune in to Primetime Politics Tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.